Let us pray. Now, Lord, as we read your word, may your Holy Spirit take the words of the page and illuminate their meaning. And Lord, may what we are about to say in the sermon be not just my words, the broken words of this preacher, but somehow be your words. Oh Lord, use me, use us, speak to us afresh. In Christ's name, amen. The scripture lesson this morning is from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. The Apostle Paul is having to defend his apostleship. Uh, people uh, back then were questioning his authority to preach and teach what he was preaching and teaching. And uh, so he's having to defend himself. Uh, his motives were being questioned. And, uh, and here in this lesson, he lays out his motivation. It's all about love. And it's all about a message that he is keen on delivering to everyone who would hear. So we, we come to these words. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Old things are past. New things are here. Paul is speaking out of a heart that's filled with joy and gladness. Suddenly, all of life has changed for him. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. All that was tedious, all that, it was, all that was monotonous in his life has now become exciting variety, drab reality, has become a thrilling adventure. Every morning he wakes up with joyful expectancy. Every night he closes, closes his eyes and he believes that when he wakes up in the morning it's going to be an even better day than the day before. All life has become new. Paul has found what the world is consciously or unconsciously looking for, an escape from boredom, an escape from monotony. Sometimes I think people keep themselves so busy so they don't have to deal with the boredom inside themselves. 
We hate boredom. We hate monotony. We don't want to live our lives on the treadmill. We crave variety. We hunger for adventure. And so we spend endless energy trying to find something that is truly new. You will spend a lot of money buying new gadgets and new things, thinking that it's just going to revolutionary, re- revolutionize our life so that we can say, even for a moment, all things are become new. But in spite of all our frantic and feverish efforts, uh, most of us <laughs> never succeed. We try achievement, we try pleasure, we, we try getting and spending, but our efforts are futile. We find ourselves reaching the same conclusion as one who uh, long ago had vast experience with life, the writer of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. Have you, have you ever read Ecclesiastes? Man, what a downer. The things that hath been, it is that which shall be, and there is no new thing under the sun. And so he goes on and on, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. I've tried this and I've tried that, and you know. Do what you will, he's saying. Life is sure to lose its tang. Life may seem exciting for a while. You take up a new pursuit. You think it's going to change your life. But in the end... There is no way of keeping life from becoming dull and gray and drab and old. But Paul, bless him, is of a different mind. He is so much more upbeat and optimistic. Instead, he's saying to us, I have found life wonderfully fresh and fascinating. In fact, I feel that I have arrived in a whole new world. For me, yes, all things have become new, eternally new. I am constantly being thrilled by the incredible joy of living. I mean, wow. How many of us can say that with Paul? Is that how you get up in the morning? Oh, boy. Another day. What a thrill. A new adventure. Off I go. Well, we wish it were that way. So I think, you know, you and I need to sit at the feet of the Apostle Paul for a little bit to listen to what has made his life so fresh and so new. And it's especially appropriate that we do so at the beginning of a new year, which, after all, is all about newness and new beginnings. So what does Paul mean when he says, all things have become new? Well, he doesn't mean that God has actually created a new universe before his eyes, you know. Paul still lives in the same ordinary, commonplace world. He still has to live with people who are sinful and who disappoint and, and uh, uh, people who suffer and despair. He's warmed by the same sun. You know, it's the same birds that sing. It's a, the same flowers that bloom. The same stars glitter at night. He doesn't mean obviously, that the outer world has changed. But no, Paul is talking about the inside world, his inner person. Paul himself has become new. He is a new creation in Jesus Christ. Paul felt remade as though, indeed, he were born again. And because he was new on the inside, then his outer world did seem different, looked different. He had a whole new outlook on the world. 
Things have changed. And you know, you know that's how it is with us. Uh, what we are on the inside determines how we view the world, right? The outside world. If we feel old and empty and drab and lifeless, bored inside, then all of life will seem that way, empty and boring. But for the person who feels new and fresh and transformed on the inside, then life is exciting indeed. Everything seems different. Everything is new. So then, what sorts of things become new for us when we are inwardly transformed by Christ? For one thing, we have a new love for God. Now, to be sure, Paul loved God before his conversion. That's why he tried to please God by observing God's law so carefully and so devotedly. He took a certain amount of pride in being a Pharisee of Pharisees. I mean, he observed the law to the tenth degree, and he did it out of, out of love for God. But his, his relationship with God was, was, in general, a matter of outer performance. But then he encountered the risen Christ on the road to Damascus, and suddenly everything changed. God became present to him in a whole new way. Now he knew God in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Now, Paul uses that phrase, in Christ, again and again in his writings. He's talking about a personal relationship. You see, Paul found his world and his inner being changed by a living, personal encounter with the Lord of life, with the risen Lord. He found himself transformed by a deep and abiding friendship. In fact, this new friend of his was taking residence in his very life. He discovered that this friend was now living within his heart. If you abide in me, says Jesus, I will abide in you. So the key to new life is nothing less than this, says Paul, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Two words, probably the most important words in the whole Bible, in Christ. It's the language of relationship. Now, when you experience the transforming friendship of Jesus Christ, your whole approach to God will change. All of a sudden, the worship of God becomes exciting. Now, there are so many people I know that dread coming to church. They are bored to tears because they have no sense of God's presence in their life. In fact, you know, they would much rather be doing something else on a Sunday morning than coming to church. But to meet the living and risen Christ is to find new excitement in worship. Worship comes alive so that when we sing, we sing now from the bottom of our hearts. Our hearts are in it. We don't tune out the Scripture lesson or the sermon, but we'll be on the edge of our chairs listening to what God has to say to us this morning. The Bible becomes a, a treasure mine. Wow! What's God going to say to me now as I read these words? God is speaking to me. This is a love letter from God. 
And then all of a sudden, our giving and our serving becomes not just a duty, but a privilege and a joy. And our prayer life becomes not just something that we do, a form, an outer form, but it becomes a force. We're not just talking into air, but we are speaking to a friend. Not only that, the whole of our, our, of our life now we understand to be an offering to God who has given us every good gift under heaven. So Paul, no doubt, when he discovered Christ, his whole spiritual life was different, not just doing things for God. No, God in him, Christ in me, he says, the hope of glory. There was a new presence and a new power in his life. It was kind of like being born again. So now in Christ, we discover not only a love for God, but a new love for people. We look at people in a different way when we look at them through the eyes of Christ. From now on, we regard no one from a human point of view, says Paul. We did that with the Lord. We thought, you know, we treated Him in human terminology and human standards, but the Lord was so much more than that. No, now we look at people differently. We no longer evaluate them by what people have or how they look. No, we see everyone as God sees them, as people of great value, people to be loved, people for whom Christ died. It's Christ's love that compels us to care and to share this message. We love people. Now, when we first meet the Apostle Paul in the Scriptures, he is not the most loving person in the world. And you remember how he stood by as the mob stoned Stephen to death, the first martyr of the Christian church, right? He just stood there and watched him suffer and die. He no doubt thought of non-Jews, Gentiles, as uh, worthless dogs. In fact, many of his own people he would avoid because they were not holy enough. They were not pure enough by his standards. He would have regarded them as outcasts. But now, that is no longer the case. He sees now every person as someone for whom Christ died. Now he loves the whole world. He loves the foreigner. He cares about non-Jews. He cares about Gentiles. It becomes his whole ministry. He loves those who are in, indifferent to him. He loves those who are even hostile to him. I am willing to spend and be spent for you, he writes in one place, though the more I love you, the less you love me. So, so Christ gave Paul, he gives you and me, a new love for people. Suddenly, serving people becomes our passion. Serving others becomes our joy. To be in Christ is to have a new love for God, is to have a new love for people, and is to experience a new beginning. We are granted a clean slate. No longer do we have to live with the burdens of the guilt of the past. There is therefore no condemnation, says Paul, for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's a letter to the Romans. No longer do we have to keep rehashing the, the, the hurts of the past, our failures, our mistakes, punishing ourselves for what we did a long time ago or not so long ago. But you and I can begin again just as Paul was able to begin again. And you know, you know Paul's background. He persecuted the church. He did all these things that, he, that uh, he could just punish himself forever with regret. And yet, he discovered God's love for him and Christ. He experienced Christ's forgiveness. 
And he, all those old regrets that he had began to, to melt away, and a whole new life opened for him. He felt like a brand new person, a new start, a whole new lease on life. So then, how do you and I experience this kind of life, this new creation? Well, Paul's urgent plea is this, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. Get right with God. Stop running. Stop fighting Him, whether you are conscious of doing it or not. Become His friend, not His enemy. New life in Christ actually begins when we realize that we've actually been estranged from God, that we've been running away from God, that we've been, you know, keeping Him at bay, wanting to live our own life, our own way, in our own terms, according to our own conditions, relying on our own wisdom and our own resources. But like Paul, we, we must come to the realization that this arrangement really isn't working very well. We have actually been at odds with God and need to be reconciled to Him. Our new life in Christ begins when, you, when we stop insisting that our own ego always runs the show. It begins when we turn from our self-centered ways and ask Christ to come into our hearts and allow Him to take up residence there. I mean, can't you hear Him knocking at the door of the heart? Saying, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. And the question is, will we let him in? You know, actually, becoming a Christian is simple. Uh, it begins with a decision to invite Jesus Christ into your heart and life. It begins with a simple prayer, actually. You know, Lord, I'm tired of running from you. I've been trying to run my own show, and you know, it's just not working out very well. Life never seems to change for me. I mean, I am bored. I think there's something missing in my life. Something in me needs to change. Come, Lord, if you are who you say you are, enter my life, into my heart, and make all things new. Would you? And whether we have grown up in the church or we are new to uh, the faith, at some point we all need to pray that kind of prayer and make that kind of personal decision. Yes, Lord, I am yours. I now belong to you. Dwell in me, and may I glorify you in my life. And we have to make that decision because Christ just doesn't force His way into our into our life. Our new life in Christ begins with a decision. And, uh, but to see, that may seem simple, you know, but the implications of this decision are profound. So, if you are feeling spiritually unsettled, you feel as though someone is knocking at the door of, of, your, of your heart, of your life, but you're not sure what it means, if you're not sure whether you are a Christian or not, if you have questions about what it means to follow Christ, come talk to me, would you? As your pastor, talk to me, talk to a member of the staff here, talk to an elder. We would be happy to help you make the next few steps in the direction of Christ. 
But if you are a Christian, you know you are in Christ, but you find yourself lacking joy in life and nothing seems to change. It's kind of the same old, same old. Could it have been that you've been neglecting your friendship with Him? Because you know, in a friendship, you really got to work at it. So, are you not reading God's love letters to you? Have you neglected the Word? Have you stopped the practice of prayer? Have you blocked the communication channels? Are you very sporadic in your worship so that you're not hearing God's Word, God's challenge or encouragement or comfort or the encouragement of fellow believers? Give yourself anew to Him. Remind yourself of all that Christ has done for you. Remember who you are. You are a new creation in Christ. You've been given a new identity in Him. You are a child of God, a member of God's family. Live out that new identity. Live for Him, not for yourself, but live for Him. Let the gospel sink in. Recommit yourself to the Lord of life and take steps to grow in, in, in your understanding of faith. And there is no better time to do that than at the beginning of a new year. Get back in sync with God. Be reconciled to God. Now, the good news, we must, this is a very important point. The good news is that God has made reconciliation with Himself possible through His Son, Jesus Christ. It's what God has done for us. Christ who died for us, taking our sin upon Himself. In Paul's words, God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. That is, so that we might be made right with God. God has reconciled us to Himself. Become friends with God because God is already friends with you. And you will discover a... a, you will discover a brand new love for God, a new love for people, and a whole new lease on life. May we all be found in Him and so become the new creation He wants us to be. Let us pray. Gracious God, this is Your work, Your work of reconciliation. You have died for us so that we might get right with You. So, Lord, we give ourselves to You. Thank You for what You have done, for making that possible. And, Lord, may we continue to find newness uh, in the transforming friendship that we have with You. Transform us from within. Make of us new people. And, Lord, now You have made us ambassadors to share that news of reconciliation with others. Thank you, Lord. We are grateful. In Jesus' name, amen.